Shabbat Shalom, everybody, and greeting to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. We're so glad that you're tuning in and joining us. I've got a few announcements, some really exciting announcements to make, and that is that we are going to be holding a Sukkot here in Oregon. And thanks to my lovely wife, she has found us a phenomenal place that is private. Can I say private so no matter what happens we will be in the private as religious people following our sincere convictions and have nothing to do with the public so we are going to host the feast of Sukkot now the dates are a little skewed because it's a bit late in the game but if you want to fly in or travel in maybe on a train maybe buy an automobile I don't know but get here somehow you can even hoof it it's gonna be Tuesday October the 5th so we're gonna start a little bit later so you can um, have your first few days of Sukkot at home with your family and maybe your local community and then come out a little later October the 5th through which is a Tuesday on the Roman week through Sunday October the 10th and it's going to be on the beautiful Santiam River in the Santiam wilderness just outside of Salem Oregon so we're very excited about that we've got cabins cabins available we've got beautiful tent camping and of course there is a dry it is dry a dry RV area like I said it's right on the Santiam as well so I believe you can do some fishing definitely can do some immersing some mikvering and we're excited about that now don't hold me to the cost because we just figuring this out but you know just to give you a, a spitball idea it's going to be about don't hold me to this about $150 per adult and about $50 per child but we will have a family rate so if there's families we're going to try and make it um, um, more affordable than that and of course you know we want people to come and we will always have some helps ministry available to help people financially to offset the cost that type of thing so don't let that you know be the sole decider on whether you're going to be coming we want to gather all 12 tribes scattered abroad this is great last year we were unable to do it but this year we found somewhere private so we're excited about that so you will be able to find more information in the next week by going to torahtothetribes.com forward slash slash excuse me connect and we'll have something there where you'll be able to sign up on eventbrite and take care of all of those details but the main thing is get the information out there think about it and most importantly pray about it pray and be convinced and convicted by the pressing in of the Ruach HaKodesh to come and join with brothers and sisters and the teaching this year it will be of a private matter because I would like to say some things that I cannot say publicly on the YouTube and I know a lot of people have got questions for me that they would like to talk to me privately about so that's what's going to be so exciting about doing it especially in these days and ages when we can maybe pick one another's brains but more importantly we can 
have the Ruach HaKodesh minister to us corporately. That's the most important thing. So remember those dates, Tuesday, October the 5th through Sunday, October the 10th. You'd want to come in a few days or a day before, fly in um, either to um, Eugene, Oregon. That's a, that's a very close airport, Portland, Oregon. And of course, there are other ways to get here as well. So that is going to be on the beautiful Santiam River in the Santiam Wilderness cabins, tents, and dry RV camping. We are in the 26th chapter of the book of Acts. Marseh Shlechim, the Acts of the Hebrews, the Acts of the Hebrews. And this is the third presentation by Luke of Shaul's Damascus Road conversion. This is the third time that Luke presents this information to us. And I will begin. Then Agrippa said to Shaul, you are permitted to speak for yourself. Then Shaul stretched out his hand and answered for himself. I think of myself as favored, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before you, touching all things that I am accused of by the unbelieving Yahudim, especially because I know you to be an expert in all customs and questions which are among the Yahudim, the Jews. Therefore, I ask you to listen to me patiently. There are so many things to unpack that are so relevant to how we hold the line and communicate today in the midst of all this mandate madness. And right here, with this first few verses, I want to edify and encourage you of how we live as saints. We are not to live as the world. We are to be different than the world. We are to be distinct from the world. And we have to hold the line. There are four or five things that I must bring to your attention that Paul brings to my attention, that helped me in my life. Firstly, speak for yourself. Secondly, answer for yourself. Thirdly, think for yourself. Fourthly, do not be afraid when the wicked accuse you, the unbelieving. Do not be concerned and let everybody listen patiently to what you're going to say. Present yourself. Do not let somebody re-present you. Present yourself. Speak for yourself as a living witness because if you choose to be represented, that is, you are dead, and somebody is lifting you up and representing you as a fictional body. And you lose all of your rights when that happens. Well, the majority, I should say. Look at the Apostle Paul. Shaul doesn't consent 
to atone his own witness. He does not consent to atone his own witness. And some of you go, what does that mean, atone? Well, look it up. But don't look it up in a Webster's Dictionary. Don't Google it because you won't find the proper definitions. Words mean things. Brad Scott used to say that all the time, bless his soul. And it's so true. Words mean things. Check out the definitions. If we're talking biblically, we go back to the Hebrew. And if we're dealing with this world, then we most probably need to look at proper, proper legal definitions. Not what you think it means, but what it actually means in their books. Because that's what we're doing here. Shaul doesn't consent to atone his own witness, and neither should we. If we are going to really follow the command to come out of her, my people, then we need to realize that we need to come out of her sins. We need to come out of her viruses, which are causing death via sterilization. They're causing blood clotting and so on and so forth. And now you've got all these crazy talk about spike proteins that can allegedly be passed on through the breast milk to the infant. And then I read the scriptures and it says, And woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. And now you know why. We are living in the last days, brethren. Be assured of that, just as the writer of the Hebrews was assured of such a thing. But we are living in a time when we are all being coerced. We are all being coerced by government entities and fear mongers to walk after the flesh. It's all about the flesh. Save your flesh. And if you don't care about your flesh then just do your part for the team to save everybody else's flesh. Save your hides. Don't listen to conscience. Don't have any conviction. And of course, there's no such thing as the Holy Spirit. Blasphemous words, blasphemous words from absolute heathens. These people are heathens. They are absolute godless heathens. They want you to do the things of the flesh the things that they have been mandated to do because they choose to play with Mystery Babylon. Well, you've got to get with the program of flesh mindfulness. That's what this whole world is about, flesh mindfulness. We're all in this flesh together. I am absolutely convinced that COVID is a principality. Absolutely convinced. It is a principality, and our war is not with the flesh, and our war is not with the blood, but our war is against the principalities in high places. Just as as the prophet Daniel was aware that there were certain principalities over Babylon and that area in in the Euphrates. Today, this is backed by a principality of fear. And it is fear of the flesh, fear of the flesh. And you can see there is a whole spirit and a religion of scientism behind this principalities. And we've all been exposed to this principality. Fear. But it's time to condemn the fear. It's time to condemn the principality. And it's 
time to overcome it with a biblical reality of faith and Torah working together. Because too many times we sit around and we talk about this principality and all this fear. And, we, and I've been guilty of it too. And it's too many of your conversations are caught up with this worldliness. And your conversations schedule your next seasons. And whatever you say, it comes back to you. And whatever you hear, you'll repeat. It's called propaganda. And whatever you write down, well, it can sometimes come to pass. So why don't you start writing down your hopes and fears, and, pl and not, your, not, no, not your fears, excuse me, your hopes and your dreams. Not your hopes and fears, but your hopes and your dreams so that they can come to pass. Start planning no matter what's going on in the world. You see, the world sees religious conviction, conscience, and says, well, nonsense. That has no bearing in, in our reality because their mind is totally in the flesh. But Paul tells us that there's a better way to live, to speak for yourself, to answer for yourself, and to think for yourself. And even when you are accused by the unbelieving, you speak and they will listen patiently. And when they want to speak, you listen patiently. This is what Paul teaches us. Too many people are realizing their fear of the flesh is controlling their very outcome. They're trying to save it. And by trying to save their flesh, they are actually scheduling their next season, which is death. By being flesh fearers, listen, by being flesh fearers, they've made themselves Yahweh's enemies because they've subjected themselves to the mandates of man whilst refusing to be subject to the highest law, the Torah of Yahuwah. It's so, so very sad to see so many living after the flesh, for they shall die, for they shall die. But the conscience of convictions through the Spirit through the Spirit, which mortifies these mandates and these deeds of the body, will be the ones that actually live. Those that have the conscience of the Spirit to man, not to fall into the mandates of man, but to follow the Torah of Yahweh. And without Paul's subsequent shipwreck, and his subsequent imprisonment in Rome, we would never, ever recognize these very words which I'm about to read to you. Do not be condemned because you're in Yahusha, and choose not to walk after the flesh, but choose to listen to conscience and conviction of spirit. That the righteousness of the Torah it may be fulfilled in this generation presently because you decide not to give in to the flair, not to walk after the flesh, but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh, they only think about saving their flesh. 
for they are not after the spirit and they cannot even discern spiritual things. For to be flesh fearers is death, but to be spiritually minded is life. And to have shalom in all circumstances. Because the flesh minded is enmity against Yahuwah. For it is not subject to the Torah of Yahuwah. It has subjected itself to the mandates of mad men. And therefore, it is an enmity against the Torah of Yahuwah. We have, a con- we have a divergence here, a difference, a distinction, I should say, between those that choose to follow conscience, conviction, and the Holy Spirit under the Torah of Yahuwah and those that are swayed by the madness of the mandates of man and they follow the fear of the flesh because they're afraid of dying because they do not believe in the resurrection not really they may have mental assent death where is thy sting when you are subject to the Torah of Yahuwah you are already alive Paul goes on to say, because the flesh mind is an enmity against Yahuwah, for it is not subject to the Torah of Yahuwah, neither indeed can it be. So they that are in the flesh, they cannot. They simply cannot please Yahuwah. And you're like, where is he reading from? You know I'm reading from Romans chapter 8, and I'm in the ninth verse. But ye are not in the flesh, but you are in the Ruach, if so be that the Ruach of Yahuwah actually does dwell in you. Does it really dwell in you or are you faking it? Are you one of those fake believers that just has mental assent? Or do you really follow conviction? When you're challenged, do you still follow your convictions? If any man, any man, does not have the spirit of Yahusha, he is not of him. And if Yahusha be in you, then the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Why are you so scared of your body? It's supposed to be dead anyway because you're alive in spirit. But because they have no life-giving spirit, all they care about is their silly carnal life. Which is why they follow the mandates of man and they're all afraid. Because this is it. This life is all they've got. But the spirit of him that raised up Yahushua from the dead, it dwelleth in you. He that raiseth up Yahushua from the dead shall also, listen to this, shall also quicken. The Hebrew word here in Romans 8, chapter 11 is chaya. Chaya, the Hebrew word is chaya. It means to vitalize. It means to give you immunity. It means to revive, to keep alive, to nourish up, to preserve, to repair, to restore, to be surely and whole. 
Everything that they're telling you the jab does, it doesn't. And everything that you people are trying to attain through manufactured nonsense, Yahweh gives freely to those who want to be raised up with the Son of Righteousness who brings forth healing in his... But you don't believe it, do you? Well, the world certainly doesn't believe it. They think you're insane. Just as the last verses of this chapter says about Paul, because they're heathens. Of course they think you're insane. They're godless heathens. They have a form of godliness, but they deny its power. They haven't got the strength to stand because they have no conviction. It's the broad road. Everybody else is doing it. So we should do it. That's the definition of insanity. He's going to raise up our mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. But if you let fear dwell in your body, that will break down your DNA. It will break, you see, it, it, it actually will quicken unto death. But it is faith and, the, and getting rid of the fear and overcoming the fear of the world, the fear of the body, the fear of death, the fear of viruses, the fear of this. The propaganda machine survives and thrives on fear. So we need to schedule our seasons, our next seasons, by talking about faith, but not talking only praying, practicing, implementing daily. Because that will schedule our next season of prosperity, not only in body, spirit, and whole life being. Look at verse 12 of Romans chapter 8. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors. Listen, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the... Oh, hang on a minute. Hang on. I thought... I thought, haven't we been told for a year and a half that we're debtors to the flesh? Aren't we, don't we owe a debt to the rest of society? Aren't we debtors? You see, they're liars. They're deceivers. They're Satanists. And they live in that realm of occult wickedness and deception. We're not debtors to the flesh. I'm not going to lose my freedom because of my flesh. Because I'm a debtor to the... No, that's not what the scripture says. But they don't read the scripture. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, but not to the flesh to live after the flesh. Oh, well, you could have fooled me, Christian believers, messianic compromisers. Come on. We're not to live like the heathen. This whole agenda is truly to make you debtors. Everything that's going on right now, it's truly to make you debtors, flesh debtors, both federally, civilly, medically, financially. It's a, that's what it's all about. Debtors to the flesh. That's what they were trying to do to Paul. And he overcame by the Spirit. 
And we wouldn't even have these words in Romans chapter 8 if he had not endured the 26th chapter, the 27th chapter of the book of Acts. We wouldn't have have this writing if he had not have been able to swim to shore when the ship hit and wrecked upon Malta. If he had given into the fear that the centurion was going to kill all of the prisoners. No, but he didn't. Let me continue on. Look at verse 13 of Romans chapter 8. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. If you live after the flesh, well, maybe you'll die. Yeah, yeah, 50-50. No, you will die. There's no maybe about it. You will die. If you're a debtor to the flesh, you will die. If you are so afraid of your flesh that you will go along with the mandates and the agenda, you will die. Two-thirds of you will, and a third will remain. That's a lot. That is a lot. But if, this is a big if, but if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. If you overcome the fear of the flesh, the fear of the virus, the virus of the pandemic, the fear, the fear, the fear, then you shall live. Because our war is not against the flesh, brethren. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For as many are led by the Ruach of Yahweh, they are the sons of Yahweh. Oh, you mean you have some conviction? You mean you have a conscience? You mean the Ruach HaKodesh leads you and directs you on what to do, and you actually follow that? And when asked about it, you have an answer, because you're able to speak for yourself, because you didn't acquiesce to your rights to some noodle who wants to represent you and put you in the system. People can't think for themselves. They let other people do it for them. That's what dead people do. For as many are led by the spirit of Yahweh, they are the sons of Yahweh. For if ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. If this chapter that I just read you in the 8th chapter of Romans is not relevant today to getting over the fear of the flesh and not being subject to the flesh and all that this world is trying to propagate on you. I don't know what, what, what you're reading. This is about us overcoming this world, overcoming the flesh, overcoming the fear and truly pressing into conviction and following the Holy Spirit by prayer and following the higher law of it all, which is the Torah of Yahweh that trumps every single man-made law. Do not, brethren, a turn your life over to another in these last days. I warn you, do not turn your life over to another in these last days. Do not follow groupthink, because the Bible calls following a mob an abomination. 
And it is prohibited by Yahweh in the scriptures. You are not allowed to get into a riot. You are not allowed to follow the broad road. You are not allowed to get into these protests. It's against the scripture. Exodus 23 verse 2, Proverbs 28 verse 7. It tells us that if you do such a thing, it will bring shame upon your father. And it will bring shame upon your father in heaven. It will bring shame upon Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it will bring shame upon your earthly fathers too. Do not get caught up in mob injustices. Antifa, Black Lives Matter, the Proud Boys, all of that nonsense. It is carnal and worldly and fleshly. And it is prohibited by the scripture that we do not join into a riot. The Hebrew word for a riot is the Hebrew word za'al. It's like cannon fodder. Those people that join it, I don't care whether it's left or right. It's a bunch of cannon fodder. The Hebrew word is zalal. It's spelled zadi lamed lamed, and it means a worthless eater. All those people that are getting caught up in mob riots Bill Gates, George Soros, they look at them as worthless eaters. They are cannon fodder being used to stir up society, to ferment social breakdown. They're cannon fodder. All those people that got, um, found themselves in jail and prison because they went into the Capitol and jail, they're cannon fodder. Because they got caught up in mob, in a mob. Zade, Lamed, Lamed. Worthless eaters. That is what Bill Gates and George Soros refer to the minions that they use to stir up controversy and to destabilize situations. And if we were reading our scripture, we would flee from such things. Now, if we followed these two basic instructions of Exodus 23 verse 2 and Proverbs 28 verse 7, the world would be a much better, a much safer place because there wouldn't be any of this banditry going on. We must use the wisdom of the Apostle Paul to seek Yahuwah's guidance through tough situations by relying on Yahuwah, not on our flesh and not on our own reactions. So did you turn your life over to another? Did you? Did you turn your life over to another man or woman? Because if you've turned your life over to Yahusha, then your life is not your own. You do not get to turn it over to another again. There is only one you get to turn your life over to, and that's Yahusha. Then you must speak for yourself. It's a responsibility. Because all of this stuff that's happening to people, it's voluntary. So a lot of you have contacted me and said, well, what do I do? My employer wants this and they're making me do this. And, and they're, No, they're not. No, they're not. Calm the hell down. No, they're not. Everything is voluntary consent. You either signed a contract and you volunteered for that and now you're locked in. But you can rescission it, and you can walk away. You can leave your job. If you work for the post office, 
And if the, the government, the federal government, mandates something and you volunteer to work at the post office, then guess what? You're subject to all of those rules and regs because they're public. And you volunteered. So don't give me the, oh, they're coming against me and threatening me and I'm under duress and I didn't. No, you did consent. It's all voluntary consent. Everybody's sitting in prison. It's voluntary consent. Because it's against the Constitution to have involuntary servitude. So somehow they got your signature and you voluntary consent. You pled. You pled, didn't you? You pled. You made a plea. Or you sign something. You put in a bond. You see, because it's all voluntary. But we have grown up in a society where people don't even realize that. Come out of her, my people. And yeah, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you some mammon. But there isn't any anyway. That's why everything is leveraged. It's fiction. It's a debt instrument versus debt instrument, bid bond, appearance bond, this bond, that bond, brokering deals, packages. I mean, it's unreal. But people can't see it because they are in the matrix, sleeping in their little pods, having other people speak for them and their contract brokering all around. Paul wouldn't have any of that nonsense. He would not have any of that nonsense, even if he had to sit in prison for two years. But he appealed to Caesar and he was given a remedy. Sometimes your remedy takes patience. This is a message for our time because a lot of you have become too fearful. And I take some responsibility in that for my teachings. But I've got to give you some balance, right? I can't pretend that this, what's happening in the world isn't happening. But now is the season after the book of Revelation for us to mature. Yes, 2020, some crazy stuff going But now, come on. There's nothing to be afraid of. Things are going to get worse, but they're going to get so much better for you and I as believers who press into the Spirit. To pre because this is the dichotomy. It's the, it's, it's the difference between wheat and tares. Wheat and tares. And right now, the only way to thrive is to be humble. Because it's the proud tares that are standing up and say, you have to do this, you have to do that. Well, I don't consent. But I'm not going to argue with you. Because you're never going to change anybody's mind. If they're a tear, they're a tear. Let them stand proud. Because when the sickle harvest comes and the wheat is bowed down and heavy because it's producing such fruit... It's so easy for that sickle harvest to come in and just cut down the tares, gather them into a pile, and burn them. Problem is, it's going to be burning through their veins. Literally, burning. That, 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 that's the metaphor and allegory of Scripture. The remedy that they're going to find is, in fact, written there in Romans chapter 8. And it's no remedy of, of, of Yahuwah. It's the remedy of Satan, which is death leadeth unto death. Do not turn your life over to another. 
do not turn it over to another. It's all voluntary consent. Satan needs your consent. And his system needs your consent. The road will get narrower. It will become tighter. But it still takes your consent to leave it and go broad. Follow the mob. Follow the crowd. Whatever you see the majority doing, a good rule of thumb from Yahusha's life is to do the opposite. That's all I'm saying. Now, according to English law and to the courts of common law at Westminster, which, of course, I'm very familiar with, a turn means to turn over your life, to transfer to another, to agree to become surety to one who administers the estate which you previously administered, to agree to recognize a new administrator of the estate and promise payment of rent to him or his proxy, the court. Yes, that is English law and the courts of chancery, of which of all have now been converted into the federal rules of civil procedure and your state rules of civil procedure. But this is where it comes from. You see, an attorney is an agent or substitute for the sentient moral being. An attorney, you know, notice, you know, when they, they hang their shingle out, it doesn't say an attorney in law, does it? Because they're not practicing in the law. They're called attorneys at law, which means near. They're in procedure, and they're bound by procedure. But they're not, at, they're not at the level of chancery law. These are lower courts. These are lower laws. And, of course, this is meaning in the vicinity of, in the lower rules of procedure, rather than in chancery, which is where we dwell, where we live. But they got rid of civics in class, right, in school. So people, they are the proctors of admiralty, admiralty, like a ventriloquist, like a ventriloquist. They're a ventriloquist for the surety enabling an international admiralty maritime commercial venue to place a lien on the estate. Because the flesh is what they're trying to attach to, because it's a fiction. And it needs to attach to something tangible to get its energy, to get its power. What does Proverbs say in the sixth chapter in the first verse? To you who have ears to hear. My son, if you have become a guarantor for your friend, you have shaken hands in a pledge with a stranger. You have been snared by the words of your mouth. You have been caught by the words of your own mouth. Do this at once, my son, and deliver yourself. For you have come into the hand of your friend. Go humble yourself and urge your friend. Give no sleep to your eyes, nor slumber to your eyelids. Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hunter's hand and like 
a bird from the hand of the trapper. The Apostle Paul knew that if he had turned himself over to Felix, if he had turned himself over to Festus, if he had turned himself over to the Sanhedrin, then he would have had no remedy available to him. He would have become a guarantor for the Roman Paul of Tarsus. He would have become surety for the Roman Paul of Tarsus and he would have had no remedy. He would have shaken hands with Festus and Agrippa and he had, would have had no remedy with Nero because he would have turned the miracle man who'd experienced the life-saving light of Yahushua when he truly did turn his life over to Yahushua on the road to Damascus. And he would have been thrown to the magistrates who would have extracted every last penny and pound of flesh. There's only a few of you that even know what I'm talking about right now. And I pray the rest of you press in and see and have a blood-tipped ear because you're going to need to know this in these days in which we live because it's all about trying to make you a surety to get you to pledge for some fiction because this whole world is about making debtors of the flesh but if you're in the spirit you'll be able to see it Now, the Apostle Paul knows that an honorable judge would be his friend. He knows this. And he desires to come into the hand of a friend rather than the hand of a substitute. The substitute is the hunter's hand, the hand of a trapper. The judge is your friend. You see... The scripture tells us this in the book of Deuteronomy, Devarim, and particularly when you go through the Torah portion, in the Torah portion, Shoftim, judges. It's right there. You see, today a large segment of the population have turned their life over to mandates and mayhem. They're following scientism, following after the crowd to do evil and are testifying in very disputable terms that shift like the sand, unaware of its dire, irreversible consequences. And that is what is concerning to me. You see, in chapter 6, this is, uh, 26, excuse me, this is a Hellenistic setting. This is a Hellenistic setting. And the Apostle Paul's opening remarks flow with compliments to the judge. He brings forth a, a humble presentation of himself, and then he makes a brief comment in chapter 6 upon the legal setting. You see, our legal system today has its origins in English common law, and English common law has its origins in the Roman law because the Romans came over and they established on the Thames Londinium, Londinium of the Romans, which of course... Paul visited, hence St. Paul's Cathedral in Londinium, which was the ancient Roman name for London. This is why today the International Admiralty Maritime Commercial Court venue always gets you, 
or tries to get you, pleads with you, begs with you hundreds of times to get an attorney at law. So then you become the surety for them and all the players in the court can continue to contract, broker and bond, package and grid the surety into a lean position. I watch it and I see it. They literally are contract brokering, bidding and bonding, packaging to the grid the surety into a lean position, and they call it paying your debts to society. But the reality of it is, it's the government that are the debtors to the tune of trillions and trillions of mismanagement. They can't order their own house, so therefore they have to plunder the estate your body, your energy, your labor, raid the, the estate to set off their debt account. And how do they do that? By getting everybody to become a surety. Involuntary servitude is illegal in the United States. It's in the Constitution. Involuntary servitude. See, a lot of you out there are so naive and you say, oh, they got rid of slavery. They abolished slavery. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. They just shifted it to the prison systems. And now you volunteer for it. You don't realize you're volunteering, but you're signing. You're pleading. You're making all this. You're letting. You've turned your life over. And now you've just got contract brokering, bids and bonds, and you get gridded into the system, and you get a package. It's all packaged. They did it to the First Nations people. That's how they tried it. They did it to the First Nations people, what you would call the Native Americans. That's where the prison system was established. And now they're doing it, and that, that, that's the whole system. There's nothing new. I say it every single week, but it's absolutely phenomenal to me. Involuntary servitude. It's illegal in the United States. Voluntary servitude is totally legal. Did you sign it? Did you waive your rights? Did you look at the paper trail to prison? It was voluntary all the way. It wasn't involuntary. Well, you've got a plea. Either this box, this box, or this box. You know, I'll take the one that's not on there, the fourth box. Because you, if you chose either window one, two, or three, which they only give you those three options, then you just became a volunteer. And equity does not v um, aid a volunteer. Proverbs 11, verse 15. He who is a guarantor for a stranger suffers harm. Doesn't say maybe. Oh, well, you know, no. Doesn't say, oh, you're going to pray and you're going to... No. If you volunteer to become guarantor for a stranger... You will suffer harm, but he who hates shaking hands in a pledge is safe. That's why I'm so passionate about it. That's why I'm so passionate about it. Paul says in the fourth verse of the 26th chapter, My manner of life from my youth, which was from the start known by my own nation of Israel at Jerusalem, is known by all the Jews. You see, he is referring right here to the fact that he was trained up under the grandson of Rabbi Hillel, Rabbi Gamliel, who was the leading Pharisee of the day. He was able to think for himself. 
You know, I had a lot of trauma when I was younger because I was thrown into the boarding school system, the British boarding school system, where all of my teachers wore the black robes that we now see all the judges wearing. So for me, I was very used to that system. And I was trained in the law. It's not what they have over here. But it was English common law and chancery law, my sister, of course, involved in Westminster and whatnot. But it was very apparent. Yes, there's a, been a massive learning curve for me coming over here, and I've made tons of mistakes, and will continue to do so. But I am at least saying, think for yourselves, navigate it out. Don't uh, turn your life over to another because in these last days, brethren, you will not be able to find remedy if you turn your life over to anybody other than the master himself. And that's where so many of you will be like, oh, my employer's making me do this. Oh, my employer's... No. You volunteer for it all. And you may not want to make the hard choices, which is... Quit your job, fold your business up, try something else. Well, that's your decision. But we can't be saying you were made to do it. You may have been coerced. You may have been threatened. You may be, but you ultimately were volunteered. That's why you have to learn to speak for yourself as Paul did, even when under threat of death. Because we'll find out next week that when they were crashing into the rocks around Malta, it looked as if, you know, once all the cargo was thrown off, that we were going to have to kill all the prisoners. So what do you do when there's a, those threats right before you? You still follow the life of the Apostle Paul. He says in the fifth verse, They knew me from the beginning. If they would testify that after the strictest sect of our observance, I lived as a Pharisee with their excellent teaching. You see, next, the Apostle Paul makes it very clear that the resurrection doctrine isn't something new. This is something the Pharisees were totally in belief of. It was totally in harmony with Phariseeism. It was totally in harmony with the way they interpreted scripture of the day. The problem was they didn't like the fact that Paul had turned his life over to the one. They wanted him to turn his life over to their sect, to their death cult. Either we're going to live for Yahusha or we're going to live for the world. Either you're going to let somebody else speak for you, or you're going to let the Holy Spirit speak for you. They give you the words whenever you need them. Before kings, before prophets, before priests, before judges. The Holy Spirit gives you the words. If you've turned your life over to Yahusha, but if not, then you're volunteering to become surety, and you'll be thrown into that mystery Babylon and entrapped in the snare. But Paul tells us in the sixth verse, and now I stand 
and am judged for the hope of the promise made by Yahweh to our fathers. What does it matter if you stand before judges in this world when you ultimately know that you're going to stand before the judge in the next world? Who is the true judge? And if you find a judge who is your friend, then you will know that Yahuwah is in the judgment. He tells you that in the second chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. When Moshe was ordering the judges, he told the judges, he said, Do not fear the face of man, for Yahuwah is in the judgment. Do you believe? I do. I believe that. I totally believe that. I've seen it in my life. Who are these promises to? A bunch of aborigines? A bunch of Vikings? Well, possibly. And possibly the aborigines. If they're the 12 tribes of Israel scattered abroad, verse 7, which they most probably are. Even the King James Version in verse 7 of Acts 26 talks about the 12 tribes of Israel scattered abroad. These are those that are going to be the inheritors of the covenants of promise, Ephesians 2.12, which were made to all 12 tribes. And Paul states very plainly that he has the hope of the resurrection of the dead for all 12 tribes, defining his faith and his mission, not as some St. Paul a Catholic universal mission, but a mission to the lost sheep of the house of Israel scattered abroad. That's you. That's you. The 12 tribes are found today, of course, scattered all over the world in both houses of Israel. But the synagogue of Satan has rejected this hope. And the Jews, many of them of Paul's day, had rejected this hope. But the blessed hope is only found in Yahushua himself. Now the Romans rejected all ideas of physical re um, resurrection. It was repugnant to them. And you have to see what you're up against today. When you start to stand on your sincere religious conviction, it is repugnant to the world. Absolutely repugnant. It's an insult. Because it's like a stick that is thrust in the spoke of their wheels that prevents them from rolling you into the surety position. Because it brings you back under the higher law, which is the Torah, which is always present, always present in all things. Because it's supernatural. And good judges know this. Look at this amazing, amazing thing. Because the Romans rejected all ideas of physical resurrection. They embraced the immortality of the soul. Oh, the body it's, it might be destroyed. But the life spirit, it would cross over the river Styx. And it walk over into the Elysian field. For all eternity. Any of you watch the movie Gladiator? It's a good movie. But that, 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 whole, that whole theme of Roman mythology in the afterlife is totally present within the movie Gladiator. Where, you know, his wife and his son are killed and then eventually he dies. And it's 
you've got this whole thing of his, his immortal soul crossing over the river Styx and going into the Elysian fields of eternity. You see, that, this, is, this is totally, totally the heathen, heathen realm. And that, you see, was portrayed very succinctly in the movie Gladiator. And of course, it's very prevalent today in the spiritist movement. Very, very prevalent in the spiritist movements of today, where the body goes back to the dust from whence it came to await the future resurrection. Well, hang on a minute. No, that's not what they believe. No, we're just going to cross over the river Styx and go into the Elysian fields. But we know that truly, truly, Yahuwah does resurrect the dead. Yes, the body dies. Yes, it goes back to the dust from whence it came. But it, it lays there to await the future resurrection. This was not in harmony with Roman thinking. Thus, where does the spirit go when we die? The spirit returns to Yahuwah, and the soul is either blotted out or remains on the ledger of Yahuwah. It's that simple. The body goes back to the earth, the spirit goes back to Yahuwah, and the soul is either blotted out or it remains on the ledger of Yahuwah awaiting the final accounting at the day of judgment when the body is then reunited with the spirit. There is no immortal soul. The soul is just a record of all of your thoughts, your essence, who you are, and it is recorded on the ledger of remembrance. This clears up all the spiritism and all this new age nonsense, which has its origins in crossing over the river Styx into the Elysium fields and the immortality of the soul, absolute bananas. Exodus 20, 32, verse 32. Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy scroll which thou hast written, the ledger of the soul. And Yahweh said unto Moshe, Whosoever hath sinned against me, him will I blot out of my ledger. Deuteronomy 9.14 Let me alone that I may destroy them and blot out their name from under heaven. And I will make thee a nation mightier and greater than they. You see, if you were to erase somebody's name from the ledger, There'd be a nice space there that if you changed your mind, you could write it back in. But if you get a black inkhorn like Ezekiel and you blot it out, there remains no way to write the name back in. It is finished. The soul is just who you are, and it is already recorded on the ledger. And if you turn your life over to Yahusha, it remains upon the ledger when the body and the spirit are separated at death. That is when there is either a blotting out or a remaining for the final accounting at judgment day. There is no immortality of the soul. 
Deuteronomy 25 verse 19, Therefore it shall be, when Yahweh thy Elohim hath given thee rest from all thine enemies round about, in the land which Yahweh, Yahweh thy Elohim giveth thee for an inheritance to possess it, that thou shalt blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven, thou shalt not forget it. Yes, there aren't going to be any Amalekites in the kingdom. Deuteronomy 29, verse 20. Yahuwah will not spare him, but then the anger of Yahuwah and his jealousy shall smoke against that man. And all the curses that are written in this scroll shall lie upon him, and Yahuwah shall blot out his name from under heaven, the soul, the remembrance of but you want to remain in the book of remembrance, right? Second Kings 14.27 And Yahweh said not that he would blot out the name of Israel from under heaven, but he saved them by the hand of Jeroboam the son of Joash. And of course we know in Revelation 3, in the fifth verse it is written that if we do overcome, that we will be clothed in white raiment, and that he will not blot out our name from this book of life, but he shall confess his name before the Father in heaven and before his Malachim. Paul continues on, and he writes this, that he is diligently praying, excuse me, diligently praying to Elohim day and night, for the hope to come. For which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused by the unbelieving Jews. Yes, things are crazy out there. Yes, this world is full of fear. But I am learning through the life of the Apostle Paul, Rab Shaliach Shaul, how to overcome and how to stand how to speak for myself and how to live in this day because it truly is remarkable. Don't let lying accusers sway you of your convictions. When you look who's accusing you and what they're saying, oh, well, you're not on the flesh train. Oh, you're not rolling with the Vax van. And they start accusing you. You're not doing your bit for society. You find that these people are in liege with Satan. Big pharma, big government, big fear. But we need to keep the faith. We need to overcome the fear so that we will be clothed in white raiment where we will meet those like Rav, Sholiach, Shaul, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and we will sit down with them, and they will inquire of us, how did you make it through such mandates of mayhem orchestrated by the hands of absolute heathens? I'm telling you, we got to get over the fear, get into the faith, and overcome Truly, because we live in remarkable times. And do not become surety. Do not shake hands in a pledge. And don't let anybody else speak for you.
And don't volunteer for all of this nonsense because it's all voluntary. They're going to make you want to believe that it's not voluntary, that you have to. But that's because you're not thinking. Think it through. Everything's voluntary. And remember, your autograph is very powerful. Don't give it away. Do not give it away. Let's see what you have to say. Man, I'm intense, aren't I? All right, all right. Let's refresh the screen here and see what we've got in the live chat. Remember, the Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot, coming up here in October. What dates did I give you? Did I give you October the 5th through the 10th? I believe so. So remember, October the 5th through the 10th, at, of course, the beautiful Santiam River. We've got cabins. We've got beautiful tent camping. We've got a dry RV area. And the cost is going to be about $150 per adult, $50 per child. That's not going to include your food. You're going to have to bring it in. But we have got a massive industrial cook um, kitchen. And if I can get Shiloh to stop licking his hands... Um, then he will be the master chef. But we've got to work on the sanitations, you know. We've got to work on that, bro. Okay, just telling you, just telling you that. I mean, you're a great cook, but, you know, we, we live in a modern world, so we've got to use modern hygiene too. <laughs> I'm calling out in, out in public. Unbelievable. Anyway, that's what I do. I call people out in public. All right, let's see. We've got red crayons everywhere. We got, if you want to redline me, um, then please do so right now. All right, where are we? <laughs> oh, I've got, I've got announcements, more announcements to make. Hang on. Miss Tamara Salerno gave me announcements to make. All right. All right, let's, let's check out these announcements. All right, yes, announcements. All right, our platforms, our Connect platforms, they have been on a break, and they will be starting up this week. So please look for the emails with the details. And uh, I will be on Shabbat Fellowship next Shabbat, September the 4th. Okay, I'm going to have to get a wake-up call for that one. And remember, the feastal schedule right now, the Feast of Trumpets, Yom Teruah, is Roman September 17th. Of course, Yom Kippur is September the 26th. And Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, the 1st through the 8th of October. Um, so you can see that we're going to be coming in at the Feast of Tabernacles just a few days later here in Oregon and extending it just because of the schedule of trying to get a private, private place. So there you have it. There you have it. Good times, good times. My goodness. Asha Muhammad says, abuse kills your soul. Yes, it does. 
Christina H., Court of Chancery is equity. Our courts operate in the courts of merit, uh, admiralty, she says. Well, actually, Christina H., yeah, it is an admiralty, international admiralty maritime commercial. Yeah, it's all commerce. It's all commerce. It's all commercial. So, yeah, it's uh, pretty fascinating, fascinating stuff, I tell you. What else you got? Anybody? Anybody? Christina H. says, A power of attorney is appropriate for caring for someone who can't care for themselves, but that's what they believe about all of us. That's why they base their rationale on, they classify us. Yeah, powers of attorney are very good. Yeah, it's good to have a power of attorney. That's different. Um, but you would have that. That would be a private thing, right, with you and your family. Um, so, you know, or your friends, you know, you keep that and then you use it when you need to use it, that type of thing. But you do that in the private and then you bring it out in the public if you ever so need it. Um, yeah, man, wow. Oh, you got a lot. Giant killer, Shabbat Shalom up there in Snohomish. Thank you so much, Brother Matthew, for such a powerful, deep and intense teachings. We live in intense times, so this is exactly what we need. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. Uh, Yes, Diesel Grandpa, um, we've got uh, one, one, only one RV spot for you. So you guys are going to have to fight it, fight for it up there in Snohomish because we are limited on spots. So, um, yeah, get it, get it while you can. Get it while you can, for sure. Mr. Neebling, I tried to call you yesterday, but uh, I've got your old phone number. I don't have your new phone number. So text me because um, I haven't got you in my contacts anymore. So, yeah, I was trying to um, get hold of you yesterday, Mr. Neebs. Mr. Neebs, all right. A person, I like that, a person says, forgive me, I don't know what red line is. Anyway, thank you very much, Matthew, and Torah to the tribes. Ah, but when you did the and Torah to the tribes, a person, it redlined me. And then it draws my attention to you, and I know that you want to um, see those... Uh, Get me to see your attention. Emissary of Elohim, got to learn those UCC codes. No, you don't want to go with the UCC. That's theirs. That's their stuff. You see, that's public. You want to try something? Um, anyway, I don't want to get too much into that. That's old. Yeah, we used to think that, you know, UCC-1-308 and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, that's, um, that does not, that does not uh, get the remedy. Does not get the remedy. Uh, let's see. Alan and Linda in the wilderness assembly. A thousand may fall at your right side. I just, don't you just love the scripture? I love the scripture. Anytime I can hear it, anytime I can read it, anytime I, oh, I just love the scripture. Thank you. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. That is, of course, Tehillim, Psalm 91, as you all know. All know. Lisa, Shabbat Shalom, Lisa, Dolce, Dolce, Dolce. A religious exemption available to submit for your review. It's playing their game, but it's also a statement of faith and wouldn't be considered, um, considered equity level. Submit one. Um, I highly recommend religious, um, sincere religious conviction exemptions. And I can get you those if you want, but the very important thing to do with those is he who makes a claim has to prove up the claim. So don't make any claims. 
So it has to be done in the proper format because too many people send me stuff and you're making all these claims. And they may be true, but then that's on you to prove it. It's much better to put the burden of proof on the others. Put the burden on the proof, put the burden of proof on them. I hear what you're saying. Um, prove it. So, yes, religious exemption, but it has to be done properly. Too many are, are accusationary. You're accusing, you're fighting, you're arguing. You don't want to be doing that. It doesn't get you anywhere. The whole system is based upon arguments, right? That's the whole system. Yahushua was not a part of that. He would not be a party to an argument. I will not either. I will not be a party to an argument. It is against my sincere religious convictions. I won't do it. I've done it in the past because I fell into sin, but I've repented of my sins, and I'm not, I, don't, I don't want to do it anymore. I've learned. I've changed. I spent too many years doing, living that way. It's just not worth it. It's not worth it. I have shalom in my life and blessing, and I'm learning. And, and, and I want other people to learn that too. I see Yahushua before Caiaphas. I see Yahushua before Pilate. I see Yahushua before the Sanhedrin. And I see him operating in an amazing chancery role as our high priest. And we can live that way as priests after the order of Melchizedek. And for many years, people have said, Oh, Matthew, yeah, I understand. Thank you so much for teaching about the order of Melchizedek. But what do you mean we're priests? after the order of Malkitzedek. Well, how do we actually live? Well, Yahuwah has shown me now how we are to live as priests on this earth. And that is what I will be sharing about at Sukkot. It's actually how to live. How to live. And um, I've only been taught it through the fires, through the legal system, through the courts. And it's it's... You know, that's how you get, oftentimes, Paul, Paul learned his greatest things through the trials, through being in chains or the threat of it. And that's how you learn. Temple health. I like that. You've got to have temple health. Have the two witnesses showed up? Yes. Yet, asking for a friend. Well, we will be discussing that at Sukkot too. Shall we tell them? Can't. It's Google, isn't it? Bloody Google. Shiloh, oh, the great chef always. <laughs> oh, I, this, I love this guy, I tell you. If you have not met Shiloh, then uh, you are missing out. Shiloh says, a great chef always tastes his prepared food before he serves it to the public. This Next time, I'll use a spoon instead of diving in with my fingers and face. Lol. Yes, but you're going to be serving it to the private. Because we are the private. We are not the public. Leave the bloody public out of it, all right? So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, what else we got here? We'll finish up here. Give me, if you've got anything else, hit me with the red line. Oh, the link to biblical feasts on your main page is not working. Where can we sign up? Are pets allowed? 
Um, I do not, I, I would have to check on the pets. I, I don't know. I imagine not, unless they're like service animals, but I will check. I will check, okay? Um, and we will fix the, um, the website. Yes, it will be torahtothetribes.com forward slash connect. Will it? I don't know. I'll announce it to you. I can't, I can't remember where it will be. Let me have a look and see. I'll tell you right now. I will tell you, Torah 2. Yep, here we are. Whereabouts will it be? About. No, not in about. Connect. It will be connect. That's correct. Biblical feasts, learn more. Yes, it will be on biblical feasts, learn more, and it will connect you to Eventbrite. And then you will, you will get the sign-up right there, and um, you'll be able to sign up and pay right there. So it is working, but it does not have the new feast set up in there. But it will be on TorahToTheTribes.com forward slash connect, and then you will scroll down, and under Biblical Feast Gatherings, you will click on Learn More, and then it will pop you over to Eventbrite.com, and you'll see the sign-up right there. You'll be able to make a credit card um, payment or whatever and get your place. And, um, yes, there we go. And I have, should have that done by the end of the week. All right. You know, um, good question, sweet and salty. Would you be able to record Suco and post it on Zoom? Um, we, I don't, we wouldn't be able to make it public, you see. I'm not sure how we would do that because um, it would be some uh, things that we would not be able to discuss on a platform like such things as this. Um, that's a good question, though. There may be a way. There may be a way. I might be able to drop you a private link or something. I don't know how that would work. Who's Mr. Roboto fit into all this, giant killer? How does Mr. Roboto fit into all this? don't know who Mr. Roboto is. Howard Hackett. There is a document, Return from Sea, that can be filed to reclaim your estate. Well, yeah, I mean, again, um, it's, uh, it's a very deep, if you want to dive deep into that, it's absolutely, absolutely phenomenal. But it's basically, you've got to do a salvage claim. It's salvage, isn't it? You've got a salvage title. Because all everything is, is people trying to put a claim against your name, which is a claim against the estate, trying to do a sal you know, you get, you got to claim title. Clear up title and clear up claims. And so it's all commercial, you know. Yes, we will get, if you want to, we will get a religious exemption available to you. Um, those of you that do want that, a proper one for the ministry, um, for you guys, because we are, of course, um, the living embodiment of the ecclesia. And as that, we are the inhabitants of this world ordained by Yahuwah. So, of course, we can get you a religious exemption 
for you in the proper format that would work for you. And please contact Shabbat Fellowship and Miss Tamara Salerno, and we will be able to figure that out for you. Oh, Brenda Robinson. Shabbat Shalom, Brenda. Hope I get to see you this year. You can invite people to Zoom and allow entry so you can have a private Zoom meeting. Well, there you go. Thank you. Um, there's also BitChute. Um, oh, Giant Killer says it's a Sticks. Oh, Sticks song. Well, of course, the band Sticks would be, uh, you know, based upon that Roman mythology, wouldn't it? There you go. I never did listen to that band, but um, yeah, I've heard of that band. Yes, Lisa Dolce, and I forget, forgive me, Lisa, if I'm not pronouncing your last name correct. Yes, people have sent me a lot of religious exemptions, and most of them are, I'd say, nine, they're all making claims, all of them. Okay, they're all making claims, and they're argumentative and accusationary, and you don't want to be a part of that. It doesn't do anything, any, it's no good, it's no good. Okay. Ah, Shiloh says, one could podcast and upload onto Brighteon. Ah. Ah, Carrie S. I have been accused of being in a cult. The comments made have been dispelled for me via prayer, and after re-watching teachings with fresh eyes, Nolan's maturity speaks volumes. You know what, Carrie S., the longer you live, I mean, I've been accused of being um, a Nazi, a homosexual, LBGDQ, um, um, a Russian, um, I mean, everything, everything. I mean, <laughs> it's absurd, it's absurd, but that, that's what accusers do. So it, what does it matter? I think you can find I think you can find stuff on me Nolan the Nazi and no Nolan the LGBTQ. I mean which one is it? I mean maybe 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 it's an LGBTQ Nazi. I don't know. I mean this is the this is what accusers do. And people get upset about it. And I'm like it's the world. Who cares? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what people say about you. Who cares? Expect it. Expect it. So yeah, I mean, I, I mean, a cult. Yes, of course. You know, being accused of being in a cult. Of course, you would have been. Yeah, it, uh, it really is. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it just it, it it just makes me laugh when people accuse me of things. I'm just like, oh, okay. Chris Chris De La Rosa. How is a married man a yeah a homosexual? Well, you know. You'd have to ask the accusers, right? Oh, it's because I'm, it's because I'm a hairdresser. That, that's why. There's the correlation, right? Uh, who knows? Who knows? Which is why I'm a Nazi, apparently. Who knows? I mean, I don't know. These people are insane. So, so you just have to let them, you know, dwell on their insanity, and you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Christina H. Get a Black's Law Dictionary. Yes, excellent dictionary. Everybody should have a Black's Law, some better editions. Um, you can even get the PDF of it. You know, Burton's Law is fabulous too. And, and you can get, you know, you want to get the, um, what's the other one? Mm. Oh, yes. The Burton's Legal Thesaurus. Fabulous, fabulous, if those of you are into that. But yeah, anyway, I could give you a whole bunch of resources and uh, drive you all bananas. All bananas. 
Mm. Let's see what else we got. I don't know how long I've been rattling on up here. Who's got a question for me? Anybody? None of you. Zarabala Ben David. That's a, that's a mouthful. That's a nice name though, isn't it? Malak means messenger and king. Yes, Malak. If we aren't being accused, then we aren't doing something right. Well, you're usually being accused because somebody wants something from you. Okay? And they're usually coveting something. That's what I've found over the years. There's usually a covetousness involved. Right? Because they want, that's, that's, you know, they want what, what, because they don't have the ability, so therefore they want. They, and it's, again, it goes back to an attachment lean, right? Trying to attach. Because they can't bring forth the energy and substance themselves, they've got to try and attach and pull. That's Satan, the accuser of the brethren. John Shukel, when you accuse, the burden of proof is on you. Exactly. Which is why on the religious exemption thing, you don't want to accuse. You don't want to make these claims, these big claims. Because then you've got to prove it. Oh, sweet and salty says, would love to see a teaching on Daniel. Oh, well, then you'd get me into the mad zone of Daniel's timeline. And then you'd be dragging me into calendars. And then you'd all be arguing over calendars. And there'd be all this contention and division. And you'd be, oh, that's the wrong calendar. And my calendar's right. And it's this calendar. And the sun is this. And it, the moon is that. And the earth is round and flat and straight. And a banana. And we don't even live on a planet. And oh, the contention. I know, I know, I've just upset a bunch of you. But it's okay because we've got to get this stuff out of us so we can get where we need to go, which is to live in honor and to love those that hate us and to live truly in shalom. Because when you can start to just let it all roll off your back, then that's when you really find yourself moving into that spirit filled life that Yahweh wants us. I know I went long today, and you're wondering, how did I connect Romans 8? Well, the reality of it is, if Paul hadn't have stood for himself, and spoke for himself, and was able to think for himself, and had overcome the fear, and overcame the death, and all the threats, and everything that happened when he was shipwrecked, landed on Malta, he would never have gone to Rome and he would have never have been able to write his most greatest, greatest writings that we are the benefactors of because we are the Malchizedek priesthood. The people that are unable to understand Paul's writings that are hard to understand because Peter told us that men would twist and deceive. But we see now through Paul laying out the distinction between the book of the covenant and the book of the law, that these things make sense. So I hope that you are blessed today, and I hope that we can minister and co-labor together 
And I hope that this ministry can help you, whether it's with your religious exemptions, whatever you need to do, so that you can stand and speak for yourself, so that you can face these paper giants, because they are paper giants. You do realize that, right? It's just fiction. They're paper giants. We're all flesh and blood. Well, you know, apart from the reptilian. But we won't get into that. Anyway, Shabbat Shalom, please. If you've lasted this long, give us some thumbs up. Give us some thumbs up. And subscribe to the ministry so you'll know when we're next broadcasting. Remember, book your place at the Feast of Tabernacles, a holy convocation for the religious, devout ones of us that want to press into the Spirit where we can truly be prepared for the next season. And thank you, those of you that do support Torah to the Tribes with your giving. I am so thankful for all of you and appreciate those standing with us in this time. And I hope to see you next Shabbat. Shabbat Shalom.